0: bond yields are down, equities are up. Why? Because PMIs are generally lower, particularly in the UK and Europe. So does that mean less from central banks? Well, equity markets seem to think so. They're also being bolstered by the NVIDIA results because it seems our entire future is based on artificial intelligence. And Jackson Hole kicks off in the next 24 hours. We'll look at that as well. It's Thursday, the 24th of August, 2023. It's the morning call from NAP. Good morning. Well, a small fall in the US dollar on the DXY, but a big leap for the Australian dollar this morning. It's up 0.8%, with a 0.1% drop in the pound. The US dollar is up 0.7% on the Japanese yen, but big falls in bond yields today. Down 14 basis points for 10-year treasuries, down 17 for UK 10-year gilts, a drop of 18 basis points in Canada, 13 or 14 across much of Europe. Aussie 10 years were down 8 basis points yesterday to 4.19% and down another 8 basis points on futures overnight. And a great day for US stocks. The Nasdaq is at 1.6%, a 1.2% rise for the S&P 500, half percent up for the Dow. In Europe, the FTSE 100 closed up 0.7%, less than 0.2% for the Eurostox 50, though. And big drops in oil this morning. WTI and Brent both down more than 1.2%. Also, a 1% rise in gold, a 4% rise in one day in silver. Wheat prices up a fair bit, too. Now, you might think that might be in response to the news this morning of a coincidental plane crash that killed off uh, Prigozhin, the leader of the Wagner group who was supposedly given safe passage from Russia but apparently not and that mutiny was exactly two months ago today Coincidence? Uh, your call on that but in fairness, uh, wheat and corn prices were rising before that news broke and oil is down after a big fall in inventories in the United States, down over 6 million barrels last week. So Sally Old joins me from JB today uh, in Sydney uh, Look, we'll, we'll talk about the big news today which is the weaker than expected purchasing index but just very quickly on this story coming out of russia i mean does this accident have any market uh implications at all i guess it does show you know what we what we knew there's no bargaining with with russia so i wonder whether that has any you know th- that may throw out any vestiges of hope that perhaps things like supplies out of, out of russia might improve i mean it seems like we can forget about all that sort of stuff
1: uh yeah good morning phil yes i mean i guess uh you know what you might call an intriguing but perhaps not entirely unexpected development um in in Russia and i guess it sends a pretty strong message that you know you don't try and overthrow um the kremlin and and get away with it so it probably won't have a huge effect on on markets i think markets are Probably tempted just to sort of view it as yet another development in you know what what is becoming a very long running saga um, in that part of the world. Um, I guess it'll be you know probably noted with a bit of a raised eyebrow around the world, but I'm not sure that there there are going to be sort of huge implications yeah for markets. That's market the back response.
0: Of that. No, I mean <laughs> we know it's a long war. That's we right. know it's a long yep. war anyway, don't we? Really. Well, look, let's look at what really is driving uh, the news today then in, in finance markets. Those bond yields. Uh, moving a great deal, particularly in the U- UK, uh, and that is because of the latest PMI numbers. So everyone is down in those PMIs, but the UK services PMI, look at this, from 51.5 down to 48.7. So into retraction territory, manufacturing from 45.3 down to 42.5. Uh, the composite now down to 47.9, which aside from, you know, when we we're in the throes of the pandemic, I don't think it's actually ever been that low. I think this is the lowest since they actually started compiling these PMIs. So that explains why this big fall in yields and two year gilt yields down 18 basis points down to 4.96%. So this is the first hope, perhaps, that maybe the Bank of England is going to ease off a little.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, the the combination, it was sort of the, the perfect storm for bond markets in the sense that, you know, you had the quite meaningfully weak data for these flash PMIs, you know, across a number of countries and obviously positioning that had been sort of you know, built up from the short side as yields had sold off over the last couple of weeks. And so not surprising, you know, in the face of some materially weak numbers and I guess ahead of Jackson Hole uh, later this week that we've had a bit of short covering in bond markets, which, as you said, has propelled um, yields, uh, you know, quite a way lower in just in one session. But, you know, that composite PMI in in the UK, um, you know, has slid seven points over four months. And so, you know, not only is the level uh, really concerning, but also um, the the speed at which it's declined. And so it's sort of consistent with pretty weak real GDP growth um, and, you know, new orders down, new export orders down. But the other thing is, you know, in, in in other parts of the UK data, you know, clearly domestic inflation and wage pressures are still running pretty hot business confidence of late has been pretty good and and household real incomes are getting a bit of a boost at the moment um, as well. So, you know, it's going to make it hard for, for the Bank of England, but I think ultimately, you know, when you're facing into inflation dynamics like they are and, you know, much stronger wage growth than they expected, um, probably the right thing to do is to sort of continue on that track of of lifting rates, especially when not all the activity data are pointing in the same direction. So, so
0: okay, wages going up, um, inflation going up. The Bank of England pushes continues pushing harder. We're seeing weak data now. It's just going to get weaker. So there's a, there's a country heading into recession, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think um, you know when you're faced with a, an inflation problem of the magnitude that the Bank of England has at the moment, I, I think you know history would tell you that if you're going to get on top of that inflation problem you won't do that without imparting some significant sacrifice on the economy and and so yes you know it feels like at some point um you know a recession of of some some nature is, is more likely than not in the UK. So
0: the Euro area, I mean and Germany as well, they were all down, so not to the same extent. Although that composite for, for Germany from forty eight point five down to forty four point seven. Uh mm. the Euro area from forty eight point six down to down to forty seven, so not quite as bad. So Germany is the, you know, uh the feeling the worst of it in, in Europe it seems. But we're still seeing, you know, big bond moves in the US as well. And yet there, you know, the difference is is much weaker. So again, looking at uh the composite uh, from 52 down to 50.4, so still an expansion. Services from 52.3 down to 51. You go, "Eh." (laughs) you know, nothing too surprising here, a little lower, a little weaker than expected. But we're still getting the response on uh, on bond markets in the US. I guess, is that partially just a response to what we're seeing in Europe?
1: Yeah, I think probably a response to what we're seeing in Europe. I mean, the the European number looks pretty horrible, and it's basically – now, if you map that relationship between GDP growth and and the composite PMI, I mean it's basically telling you that European growth has come to a stall. Um, you know, if that relationship holds. And as you said, Germany, you know, who's basically the engine of Europe, that's especially weak um at the moment. So, you know, I think the market's now going to probably toy with this idea that, well, perhaps the ECB might pause in September, um, just to sort of get a better read on on the expansion and, and what's going on and, you know. If, if, if they feel like more is required, then they can always come back in, uh, in October. Um, and in the US, yeah, the numbers were soft. They weren't sort of as drastically bad as the UK or, or Europe. But I think generally speaking, you know, US bond markets have had a pretty decent, um, sell off in, in the last month or so. Um, and like I said, positioning had probably been built up from the short side, um, at least, you know, in, in the last little while. And so as European and UK yields, came meaningfully lower, um, probably felt like that was the path of least resistance for US yields as well.
0: So yields down in Canada as well, um, now that was presumably linked to their, well, the, the the world pattern, but also their retail sales, another slowdown. And retail down in New Zealand as well down 1% quarter on quarter in Q2, although that was expected. Actually, it was a bigger fall than that was expected, wasn't it? Yeah,
1: so both in Canada and New Zealand, as you say, you know, those quarterly Volumes numbers, not not so much the nominal ones, but the volume numbers, you know, have been quite soft. And um, you know, now people are sort of saying, well, in Canada at least, combined with some um, pretty reasonable downward revisions to prior months, the outlook for second quarter consumption actually looks a fair bit weaker than most people had penciled in. Um, <clears throat> and in New Zealand, um, yes, those numbers were were sort of soft as well. And I think that just really add to this whole story of you know the fact that kiwi rates have probably peaked for the cycle um and that you know the data are now starting to consistently print on on the softer side of expectations and i guess that sort of really cements the idea that not only have rates, rates peaked but that the rbnz is probably going to be one of the first central banks who starts to reverse some of those moves yeah
0: and yet just days ago there was a question mark hanging over that but maybe this is the you know the last number to to help cement that uh that decision one place where pmis are going up is uh japan yeah that's right hmm. is that good news for them or does it just add to the case that they are heading towards even higher inflation
1: yeah so i think um i mean it wasn't a massive rise in the the sort of flash pmi for Japan, um, but it was a rise nonetheless. And as you said, like quite a contrast to what's going on in most other jurisdictions. So I guess in some ways it just reflects, you know, effectively very different monetary policy stance. You know, Japanese monetary policy um, is still very, very stimulatory. Um, you know, the Bank of Japan is still buying bonds. Um, the overnight rate is is still in negative territory. Um, and the economy is actually doing very, very well. Um, the yen is really weak. As we know, so it feels like overall financial conditions in that economy are, you know, pretty supportive of of economic growth. Um, and and in that respect, I think not so surprising that you know Japan has sort of bucked the trend um, when we look at those composite PMIs for August.
0: Keep on looking at it and thinking, well, what's wrong with that? You know, we keep on saying anyway. I mean, it's you know that this is we're we're, we're talking to you next week and maybe. You know, if we if we have a look at what's happening around the world if we, on our weekend edition, maybe we can sort of compare and contrast a bit some of these uh, some of these markets. Mm. But equity markets today, um, presumably because of the expectation that there is going to be less coming from central banks, suddenly you know jumping back into action uh, ahead of the Nvidia results. We can see where the. Um, where the action is so google was up three percent apple up 2.3 percent measure up three percent microsoft up 1.6 percent so it's tech and it's stocks that particularly could benefit from ai i tell you ai had better deliver because there's so much expectation resting on it now isn't there
1: yeah you do feel like there's a lot built into this so i mean obviously equity markets are probably you know enjoying the uh the move lower in bond yields but we are waiting after um, market for the Nvidia results, and so you know if we go back um, three months when they last reported, you know they absolutely smashed the ball out of the park. You know they just came in, you know well above expectations, pretty much on on most measures, and so obviously we know what's happened to the share price since then. You know earnings. Um, the earnings outlook for that that particular company have been lifted significantly, and so I guess the market's basically backing them to deliver um, again uh, when from, we see those from numbers. From one company,
0: from hmm. one set of results, hmm. sort of like the entire share market hangs on it. By, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> so isn't that a bit bizarre?
1: Well, it is and it isn't in the sense that I guess it is the poster child stock for artificial intelligence. Um, and, and so I guess, you know, what the market's basically punting on is saying, look, you know, if these guys can deliver another quarter, then, you know, perhaps this thing is actually real and, and, you know, that will give, uh, I think, broad support to, you know what markets have coined the magnificent seven, which has driven a lot of the rally in, in the S and P 500. You know that there is something real here, and that this is a, a trend or a theme um, that's not going to run out of puff anytime soon. So, yes, to a mm. certain extent, you do, you do feel that the um, sustainability of the whole AI story in in tech stocks, you know, might hang a little bit on on these results a bit later this morning.
0: Well, particularly if we're looking at the health of the whole economy and the whole uh, the whole stock exchange on on one sector, I guess we've done it before, but when we've done it before, you know, like the uh, the dot-com bomb, um, you know, we came a bit unstuck by it. You get, there's surely a bit of nervousness around that. But anyway, look, the Aussie dollar doing well today, uh, mm-hmm. presumably because of this optimistic outlook from the United States. But what about China concerns? I mean, it, it's as though they've just been forgotten, Sally. How fickle are we? <laughs>
1: well, that's, that, that's FX markets in a nutshell, I would probably say. But yes, the Aussie <laughs> dollar's had... Um, you know, a, a slightly better um run in in the last, you know, twenty-four, forty-eight hours and obviously helped by a bit of softness in in the US dollar um and maybe an opportunity to focus on you know what's what's going on uh elsewhere in the world. But I think we all know the China story is not going to go away. Um and that there, there's you know a a serious problem in that economy. So um, you know, my 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 sort of view on the Aussie would be enjoy it while it lasts, because I think we know that, you know, in a sort of more fundamental basis, the headwinds haven't gone anywhere. You know, the real rate spread between Australia and the US, you know, remains a headwind to the Aussie. And then we've got that dynamic of the China narrative as well, which um unless the Chinese authorities surprise us with a huge Stimulus package, which seems to be pretty unlikely, you know, I think that, again, will act as a pretty meaningful headwind to how far the Aussie can can climb in the short run.
0: So uh, durable goods orders for the United States today or tonight. So, I mean, is that going to be another sign of weakness? That's the question, I guess. It is um, it is expected to fall in the numbers out tonight. And then the get the Kansas Fed Manufacturing Index tomorrow morning. They're the, uh, the, the main bits of data. But, of course, Jackson Hole kicks off. Well, today, US time. Tomorrow, our time. Um I went to look at the full agenda. They don't put the full agenda up until 8 p.m. Thursday, US Eastern Time, at the Kansas City Fed website. So, uh, and you can watch it all on YouTube if you're that enthusiastic. But it's, it's going to be interesting to see what Jerome Powell does say. We know Jerome Powell's on the agenda anyway. We know that's tomorrow.
1: Yeah, that's right. And I think you know we know you're right. They hold their cards pretty close to their chest for that conference. But we know the broad theme is structural changes in the global economy. And you know there has been a bit of a chat, a bit of chatter in markets of late that you know, one of the reasons why, um, you know, bond yields have sold off is that Powell's going to sort of come out with some pronouncement on on the Fed's thinking on R-star. Um, you know, I think that might be a little bit premature in the sense that we look at the Fed's revisions to R-star over the last decade. I mean, it basically took them a decade to revise it down 175 basis points. I don't think they're going to come out and suddenly, you know, revise it up 100 basis points in the, you know. In, in quick fashion. So the market's clearly been nervous about that and and I guess that makes sense given um, you know, if it's gonna move in one direction, it would be up rather than rather than down. But I'm not sure that we're gonna get anything um, you know, as significant as that from Powell. And I suspect You know, he will talk about what a lot of other central bankers, including, you know, Philip Lowe at the Reserve Bank, has been talking about lately, which is that, you know, how they manage what they call this calibration phase of monetary policy, which is saying, look, we feel like we've done most of the work. And and now, you know, when we sit around the, the table, making a decision. It's like, you know, have we done enough or do we need to do a little bit more? And so maybe he might give us a bit more colour on, you know, how the Fed thinks about that decision. Yeah.
0: And the R star, for those who who don't know, is the natural rate of interest, which we were talking about right at the beginning of the week as to whether that's actually higher than the Fed has traditionally thought. So, yeah, we'll see what happens with that. And tonight's bit of theatre, or today's bit of theatre, will be tonight in the United States, uh, Donald Trump handing himself into authorities about the same time that they have the Republican debate on TV to decide who who else could lead the party if it's not going to be him. But as an aside, and still looking ahead for a year and a bit, assuming he does become the next president, uh, his proposal, which Paul Krugman is uh, understandably writing about in the Washington Post today, uh, a flat 10% tariff on all imports. Uh, <laughs> See, so, you know this could happen. I mean Donald Trump could be president and he could impose a 10% tariff on all imports. There's a a story for the year after next. It's a crazy world, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I
1: mean I guess that just sort of tells us what we sort of already know, which is that if he wins the Republican nomination and <laughs> and then wins the presidential election that, you know, we will be going back to a a world that um you know, it mm. feels like it's going to get yeah buffeted by, by these sorts of headlines. So we'll see yeah. what
0: happens. Well, I'll tell you what, it keeps the morning call in business for another couple of years, <laughs> yeah, doesn't bet. it? <laughs> uh, anyway, good to talk, Sally. Uh, we'll talk to you twice, I think, next week. So uh, lo- looking forward to that and uh, catch you soon. All right. Thanks. Cheers.
1: Excellent, thanks, Phil. Bye bye.
0: And we do have the Nvidia results now. By the way, the revenue forecast for the third quarter beat estimates. They uh, are saying 16 billion. The expectations were averaging below 13 billion, so quite a rise. Second quarter revenue is also well up on expectations. Shares up 6.3 uh, percent almost immediately after the bell. So the hope that AI will save the world that continues, or at least it's going to save the economy. At least I know how my career ends. Hopefully not before tomorrow, though. I'll be back then. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Have a great day. See you in the morning.